sorry, just, um, we've never done this before, what we're about to do. <laughs> so, you say that every year, Phil. Do I say that every year? Uh, you're okay, just to speak. Am I, oh, I don't, don't need something else. Okay, so it's always a bit ominous, isn't it, when, when someone says, never done this before. Uh, but we love, um, we love doing things differently, as you know. <laughs> You're laughing at me. <laughs> with, you, with, you. Oh, with us, thank you. <laughs> Hope you found that afternoon session really interesting. I think this is the beginning of a longer journey, actually, on the topic. I think we're right at the very beginning. But what's different about this next session is the speaker's not here. <laughs> right? Um, and the, I think I told you earlier on, the reason why he's not here is because of the um, COVID restrictions in flying from um, Holland. And so I think Alf, it, can we tell that Alf can hear what I'm saying? I can definitely hear you, Phil. He can, <laughs> oh, I can hear him. You can tell from, you can tell from the accent. Oh, there he is. <laughs> 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 Well, yeah, I've never done this before, okay? Give, give, give me a break. <laughs> that is very funny. Alf, wonderful to see you. Likewise. Thank you for having me, Phil. Um, Alf, I wonder if we could just start by a short introduction. And then what we're going to do is um, we'll go over to the technology and the video you kindly produced. Um, so I wonder if you could give some of the background of who you are and, and your role, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll go on to the video you kindly produced. Yeah, terrific, we'll, we'll do. And then first of all, thanks for having me, Phil. It's a pity that I can't join you in person in beautiful London. Uh, I used to have been there quite a, a lot when I was uh, managing the Unilever account uh, within SEP. So it would have been great to be back, actually. Uh, but again, it, it's due COVID measurements that, uh, that unfortunately it's not possible. But um, now I'm really pleased by joining this GST event, uh, especially because of the fact that the topic is pretty close to my heart. Because if we talk about uh, relationship capitalization, for me, it's very much linked to uh, you leading with purpose. And, uh, and that's actually the topic that I want to talk about uh, uh, today, because I believe that purpose brings a certain meaning in conversations and meaning actually then brings new relationship, new connections. And so I think, uh, again, it perfectly fits in. And um, it is a topic that uh, me and my team have been uh, embracing for the last month. So I, um, I work for SEP in the Netherlands. Uh, I also used to work for a global organization in Waldorf based in Germany. Um, but currently I'm a sales director for the strategic accounts. Uh, so my team is leading the, um, the top-notch uh, labels uh, that are Dutch-based. And within our team, we have um, decided to focus more on purpose-led engagements, meaning that we look at the higher purpose of a company and try to connect it with ours. And based on that, create new relationships, new connections, and, and build our business uh, collectively. So, um, yeah, and again, because of the fact that I'm not able to join you guys in London, we decided to pre-record the session just to make sure that we don't run into any technical issues. But uh, rest assured that I will remain to be online for any questions or suggestions or remarks. So uh, I think uh, we'll manage perfectly. Okay, thank you um, very, very much. And if I could just say that um, Alf is one of our master's students 
and the topic of what he's sharing with us today has come out of his uh, final year project. So it's grounded, as many of you in the room have done the master's programme, in, um, in a, quite a robust uh, research approach. So I wonder if we could um, start the video. Now, thank you. Good day, my name is Olaf Jansen and I'm a sales director for the strategic accounts at SEP The Netherlands. Today I want to share with you how we as a team are creating purpose-driven partnerships and with that try to win the hearts of our customers. But before I elaborate on the journey that we're in, I just want to explain a little bit how I came about to investigate the value of purpose. And that goes back to my recent uh, master's program at Middlesex uh, University in London that is co-designed by Consalia. I was asked to investigate a certain business topic and it was when uh, I decided to explore the value of our purpose statement, of SEP's purpose statement, to make the world run better and improve people's lives. I often heard our CEO mentioning that purpose statement towards customers, partners, investors, but even also to our employee base. And it made me wonder. It made me wonder if purpose really has a true value or if it was more like a marketing statement. And so I dove into the topic and I uh, interviewed certain customers and partners and employees myself to find an answer to that. I think I can conclude after all those months that for me, purpose nowadays is the new normal. It's the new normal because especially the younger generations, millennials, Generation Z, require us to lead with purpose. They feel that all the uh, societal issues that we have in the world, whether that's on an ethical basis or on a sustainability topic, can't be solved by governments and non-profits alone. Companies like ourselves, companies like SEP, need to chip in and make sure that they contribute on solving these societal topics. So I think it's fair to say that, at least my conclusions are that, uh, the younger generations play a, a, a significant role in that. And I had some experiences myself that for me were proof points that this was the way that we should act going forward. And I just wanna share a few of them with you. Meet my daughter. She's called Anne Fleur. She's eight years of old, of age, and um, uh, Anne Fleur is uh, very passionate about certain things. And being a true Gen Z uh, uh, lady, <laughs> she is uh, used to speak up about her feelings and what matters to her. So it was on a rainy Sunday morning when I was preparing my sales presentation for, uh, for our Dutch uh, sales team, when all of a sudden I heard her cry. So I rushed over to her to ask what was going on. And she was looking at a television show that was outlining the great bushfires, the immense bushfires in Australia at the time. And obviously a lot of the animals were impacted with the, uh, with the fires. And it really touched her heart. She felt sorry for the animals. And it was at that moment said that she decided that she wanted to make a change. And so she was determined to raise some money to make a small contribution to solving all of the pain that was there in Australia at the time. And although she understood that she couldn't fix it all, 
she is a firm believer that everybody can contribute. And I thought, wow, it's great that somebody who's only eight years old uh, doesn't think about going to the hockey pitch or playing with friends, but also wants to make a, a positive contribution to society. And clearly, that example, that quest of her, was perfectly fitting into my story for the next day at the office, where I was about to elaborate on these purpose-driven partnerships. And so I decided that I would bring her along to the office and provide her a stage, a stage to share her uh, ambitions with uh, my fellow colleagues. And clearly she took the opportunity to start some fundraising there. And with only a few hours in the sales meeting, she managed to raise over 2,000 euros. And being a Gen Z, being digital savvy, clearly she asked her father to post that success on, on social. And you see the example here at the slide. But the beauty was that with that, uh, a lot of people saw her, um, her, her action towards Australia and even the television show picked up on it. And long story short, eventually she got invited to the television studios to personally hand over the check. And I think this is a great example of how Gen Z have a purpose mindset and also ex expect companies like ourselves to provide a stage in order to uh, make sure that they can actually bring their, uh, their ideas to life. Can, I, can we stop the video? I think we should give her a round of applause, don't you? <laughs> Al. <laughs> That's a great story, Al. Thank you so much for sharing. But I thought we couldn't pass on without... I hope you can share this with your daughter, that she's now at the London Stock Exchange, yeah, sharing her message. So it's going very viral. So, OK. Thank you. Uh, any comments so far? No? The topic is around purpose-driven account planning. Um, OK, I think we should carry on with the video. Yeah. Another example, and perhaps that's a, a bit more closer to the business activities that we're currently in, is the marketing campaign from Nike. I think many of us still remember that Colin Kaepernick, who you see here on the slide, was a, um, a quarterback from the San Francisco 49ers. And Colin Kaepernick used to kneel down during the NFL games uh, when the anthem of uh, the US was played. And he did that as a protest against police violence towards black American citizens. And Colin Kaepernick decided he wanted to make a change. But his actions were pretty controversial and not everybody was in favor of what he was doing. Um, but still, he continued his, his fight against that police violence and with that, Nike in, introduced him into a campaign that was labeled, you have to believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Colin Kaepernick risked his whole NFL career by taking these actions, but he did that because he believed in something. With that campaign, Nike actually faced a boycott because not everybody appreciated the fact that um, Nike used Colin Kaepernick in, his, uh, cam in, in their campaigns. But although the boycott was there, 
Nike made 6 billion in incremental revenue with this campaign. And when I was asking one of my colleagues from New York, who was in my team at the time when I was working at our headquarters, around how she felt about purpose and companies like Nike that embrace such a, a purpose uh, with these kind of campaigns, she said to me, listen, Alf, that campaign from Nike was for me the reason to walk to Fifth Avenue in New York and buy myself a pair of Nike shoes. Not because she needed them, but out of sympathy towards the label. So that's interesting. So there is no desire to buy a pair of shoes, but because you feel you also want to contribute on making a change, you actually create brand loyalty. And with that, you drive top line growth because people are buying your product. And so Ferguson puts this nicely where he states, we don't live in a democracy anymore. We live in an democracy because emotions are more important than the majorities in the world. And your own personal feelings actually matter more than just reason. And that example really uh, inspired me to challenge myself and say, wow, so if millennials feel that they need to be associated, that they feel that they have an, a link towards a label, then we as SEP also need to make a change. And so I think it's fair to say that if you look at the evolution of purpose, a lot of things changed in the past years. If you go back to the 80s and the 90s, a lot of companies were looking at sustainability as more like corporate social responsibility. There were certain uh, legislation that they need to comply with. And so compliance and risk was the main driver for them to have a look at, at sustainability. When we reached the year 2000, we saw that people started to think about uh, the harm that we do to society, to environmental topics. And with that, we optimized internal processes in order to avoid that. But nowadays, with this new perspective on how companies need to contribute, like the millennials asking, uh, asking organizations to support governments and nonprofits to really make a positive change to, uh, to society, we as organizations, we as SEP, we need to lead with purpose. Because otherwise, our customers will not be able to relate to our brand. So that's easier said than done. Um, but I think an important element in order to achieve that is that you take third box thinking to mind. And what do I mean with that? I think often, we as sales teams need to think about the customer of our customer because those are actually the people that are driving certain change in behavior. And I found this example pretty recently where a Dutch court forced uh, Shell to cut down on their CO2 emissions and pretty significant because they need to reduce it by 45%. And obviously, Companies like Shell in an oil and gas uh, environment have the challenge on becoming a more green company. But there are certain people in the Netherlands 
and uh, in this case a environmental group that really sued the, the, um, the organization and I brought it to court and that was supported by more than 17,000 Dutch citizens. So I think the bottom line is that the customer's customer is forcing Shell in this case to make a change and they are even willing to go to court for that. So I think we as organizations need to be prepared that the voice of the customer is really strong and we really need to listen. And so from an SEP perspective, that brings an interesting uh, question to the table because how can we actually help our customers to, to drive that change proactively and make sure that the things that are hitting them from, a, uh, from the new reality point of view is something that we, from a technology point of view, can help them to accelerate. And so, looking at, um, at, at purpose, I think the future of, of doing, doing good business uh, belongs to what we call conscious capitalist organizations. Because customers, consumers, your own employees require you as an organization to operate with a purpose that goes beyond only making a good profit. You need to show to the customers, consumers and employees the reason for being. And you need to make sure that you try to find value for all of the stakeholders in your ecosystem and not only the shareholders. I think a great example is, uh, for example, BlackRock as an investment company is forcing companies to also make a change in, in, in envi environmental topics or purpose-led topics because, because otherwise they will not fund these organizations anymore. And clearly, if you want to change an organization like that, it also requires us as leaders in a sales organization, for example, to, to also change the way we lead. We need to make sure that we are motivated by the purpose of our company, the higher purpose of our company, and allow the teams to work on that. And you can only do that if you have a cultural that is based on trust and openness. So, so I just thought we'd take a, just a short break in the video there, but I'm just interested in your thoughts around um, what Alf is kind of sharing at this point and whether any of you see a tension, you know, between the drive to, to get that bottom line in and sales and what Alf is kind of suggesting here, which is the conscious capitalist society. Yeah. So I don't know if you've got any thoughts about that. Is it pie in the sky? Can you see it? You know, can you see it working? Can you see it important? What What do you think? Got stunned silence here, Al. <laughs> see, mostly well, I, I, it's lip service. Mostly it's lip service. And uh, World Economic Forum conversations. Okay. Uh, you go to an investor call for any listed company. Yeah, right? they want to know. They don't spend, they spend less than maybe 30 seconds on this topic. So, so Alf, there's some skepticism. Yeah. They can see, you know, the 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 value of purpose. I think, yeah. I mean, we can start. We with can, SAP. We, can, we can, yeah. I mean, we can start. We, we can ask this question: What is SAP's purpose? Well, he did share that at the beginning, but he, I think he'll go on to elaborate that later on. Um, any, sorry. I think. Uh, thank, thanks, Alfred. I feel like um, 
in terms of you know procurement departments and people that are managing suppliers, you're starting to see some KPIs and metrics show up in RFPs, which do reflect a purpose. And some of them are quite actually quite hard metrics, Dif difficult to kind of quantify as someone that's selling into this environment. Yeah. But I do feel it, it's slightly more that it's slightly less superficial maybe than than maybe an earnings call or something. So I think we're starting to see that catch up. But nevertheless, I do think it's brave what, what, what you're doing. Um, I do a similar role uh, for Hewlett Packard uh, in the UK, and I do think it's a brave step. But I can see how it would it, it could work for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <coughs> Any other questions? At the very back, Neil. Hi. Yes. Yeah, so, so there are some really good examples of this purpose-led approach, particularly in the public sector uh, that we work in, um, and it is very much focused in the UK. But we do have slightly different perspectives in other parts of the world. But the good example that I got is um, a recent um, I, um, job that came up. They, they, they had a supplier that, very similar to the other stories earlier, had, had done all the work. They were doing all the, the biggest supplier. They were, they were providing uh, you know, big profits to the customer. But when, when they went onto the website and they said, right, we need to do a change, they went onto the website. The first thing that they saw from this supplier was, you know, our target is to achieve X billion over the next five years, what they what the what the customer wanted to know is actually what are you going to do for me or what are you going to do for my customers? So things are changing, particularly in the public sector, but we are starting to see that in in some of the private sector procurements that we're involved in. Now. Okay, sorry. Um, I don't know whether you whether you cover this, but do you think that you need to have a different purpose or value statement for? each of your stakeholders, because I can see that there, I certainly can see that employees will have a different um, purpose or want to see something different than, let's say, a venture capitalist firm from a company, right? And I don't know whether, if they don't align, then there's obviously a mismatch And how do you, as a company, make it yeah. whole? So I don't know if you can hear, Alf, some of the questions. Yeah, no, I, I, I could follow. I could follow. And I, uh, let, let me start with uh, that one of the first remarks was uh, also the skepticism around is this for real, right? Because I also see the challenge, right? We, we have annual targets that we need to meet. And, uh, and talking about purpose it, it, in the short term will not cut it, right? So it's always uh, a matter of balancing it. I think uh, in our team, we have uh, a rich team where we have a global account director who is responsible end-to-end -end for the relationship, and we have account executives that run the daily business. And I also ask my global account directors to think about the North Star, and that North Star could be a purpose-led topic, while the AEs are focusing more on the, the business as such. So it is a journey that will take more than just a 12-month window uh, to get to a result. Um, and clearly, towards the last question, yes, Obviously, every customer has a different, slightly different purpose, and, and that's, that's the way it should be. What we try to do is say, as SEP, we want to make the world run better and improve people's lives. And we want to do that with support of our assets being technology. Right? We, we can enable certain processes to come to life via our technology stack. But we start with connecting our purpose to the purpose of our customer, and then see if there are any shared values and those similarities we can use um, to say, okay, well, where should we then focus with one another? And where can we actually make that purpose come to life? And that should be a very pragmatical project 
where we can contribute to either sustainability topics or ethical topics. And, and perhaps, well, I don't know if, uh, because I think then we'll get into a time constraint, but otherwise yeah. I, I can quickly elaborate on one of the examples where I, I can't share the customer, it's a G company who was uh, uh, struggling with the fact that, for example, they were procuring their raw materials in certain countries where potentially there is child labor, right? And as a big CPG company, you don't want to be associated with those kind of uh, suppliers. But how do you know which supplier is clean and which one is not, right? And we have thought about that and we actually developed a solution based on our blockchain technology to, to track which of these suppliers are accused of child labor. And if so, we will not uh, give them a stage in our procurement process. So we exclude them from the source activities. And with that, actually can prove towards consumers that this CPG company is procuring clean raw materials. And that is something they use towards their uh, marketing and, and sales uh, teams uh, to convince consumers that they are a sustainable company. And I think that is a great example of how we can lead with purpose while doing business because we actually support a program that is helping them to uh, become a, a, a high performing company. I have a question. Alf, do you think purpose should be part of the compensation plan? Cool. Um, I, I definitely think that uh, from a compensation plan perspective, it should be more than just meeting the targets. Clearly, that is something that we need to achieve in a sales environment anyway. But for example, what I've introduced in our organization is also the long-term uh, uh, ambition needs to come to life. So if you want to be successful in, uh, with your customer, you also need certain targets that have a three-year window. So the teams are uh, measured upon success in the year, but the, the global account directors also have a separate uh, composition plan that includes the ambitions for the three years to come. And that, and that links to leading with purpose because that is, to my belief, a profit center approach because it will lead to incremental business amongst one another. I know some of these questions are going to be covered in the rest of your video. <laughs> Um, um, Phil, did you have a question? Just a quick thing. We're yeah. seeing in sales in the U.S. that mobility of top talent is a big issue right now. People can move without moving anymore in a virtual yeah. world. And when yeah. we interview top talent, we're finding meaning and purpose at work is one of the major drivers of why they stay with a company. So I think there's a correlation between purpose and, and talent retention. And talent retention. Yeah, very good point. Alf, I don't think you'd disagree with that, would you? No, no, no. <laughs> I did some research as part of that master's uh, program uh, and looked at Harvard Business Review, Ernst & Young, all kinds of sources that I explored. And indeed, uh, I have a slide that actually outlines why Purpose is a profit center, because it is driving top-line growth. It is, it, it, it is uh, driving brand loyalty. But uh, in the heart of, of, of uh, all of, of the value is the fact that millennials tend to stick around longer for your, uh, within your company because they expect you to lead with purpose. So indeed, retention uh, numbers go up and, and you're actually becoming more like a magnet for young talents to, to join your organization. Yeah. So I, I, I think that companies need to have a purpose in order to convince younger generations to join them because they have so much choice nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Al. And
with that, we are then able to transform our sales teams. And with that, we can actually change the way that we uh, serve our customers. So how are we trying to make a change at SEP The Netherlands? Well, let me first elaborate a bit on uh, how our teams are, are managed nowadays. So SEP is a, a big software company with uh, more than uh, 425,000 customers globally. Obviously, we're very proud of having such a rich customer base. And if you look at how these customers are built up, obviously we have a lot of customers in the mid-market where we support them. Then we have customers that are in the industry segment where we have account teams based on uh, the industry that these customers are in. For example, consumer products or high-tech uh, accounts. And we also serve customers based on what we call uh, specialists. Um, so specialist-led in a sense of we support customers in HR or in uh, sales and marketing. So we also have teams that are leading these accounts based on, uh, on the product lines. But if you look at the top of uh, our customer pyramid, we have a segment called the global strategic segment. And our team is uh, serving that top of the pyramid which is only 4% of our uh, entire customer base. For those accounts, we have created uh, a different kind of approach when it comes to the sales teams. Because if you want to lead with purpose, you also need to make sure that you really can build those strategic partnerships with primarily the C-level of these organizations. But if you're caught up in day-to-day -day operational activities, it's hard to focus on the North Star that you defined together with your customer. And that's why, and I will not bother you with the whole uh, organizational chart, but we decided that we will have global account directors for these accounts, for these few accounts. And these global account directors have access to a, a significant team that consists out of account executives, but also people that are focused on architectural roles, or delivery of professional services in order to make sure that not only we can provide software technology to these accounts, but that we also help them to land, adopt, consume, and expand on that investment. That structure is massively important to us as a GSS segment, because that is allowing us to ask from the global account directors to build those C-level engagements and to also look at what is that North Star that we want to achieve collectively. And that's where I've uh, asked the global account directors also to think about which purpose-led activities can we pursue with your accounts to help them also achieve their purpose. While the account executives in that same team could potentially pick up on more the operational uh, activities that we need to obviously also pursue. So that is a little bit about um, the setup of, uh, of uh, our teams. And coming back to that global account director focusing on that North Star, uh, it starts with understanding what your customer actually is asking uh, from you as a partner. And I just selected randomly some quotes of CEOs of those labels that we serve. And with all of them, you see that leading with purpose is really top of the agenda. 
If you look at Unilever, uh, clearly long-lasting uh, customer of SEP, we, we know that Paul Pullman in, in the early days already started with the sustainable living plan. And Alan Jopi is continuing on that journey. So this is a label that already for years is uh, preaching that we need to make sure that, um, that, 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 we, that we focus on sustainability and leading with purpose. While perhaps other accounts have also followed that example uh, nowadays. But whether it's Shell who now wants to obviously act upon that uh, court verdict, but already is on that journey for several years to become a more uh, green organization, you see that also Heineken is moving towards an organization where they want to be a sustainable brewer. And where Philips is focusing primarily on its healthcare division to make sure that they improve the lives of the people in, in, the, in the world. And with that, that is their higher purpose. So it's on every CEO's agenda. And I think that is a great opportunity for our entire team to reach out to the, that C-level and, and try to find out how we, as a software technology partner, can use our biggest asset, being the, the software solutions, to realize their overarching purposes. We had a session at our headquarters with the global strategy team. And looking at all of these um, statements from the CEOs uh, and the drive towards sustainable topics, we said, well, that's interesting. It, it actually could go back to the Maslow pyramid that we all know. Um, and would it then be that leading with purpose is the highest level in the, in the Maslow pyramid? So we actively asked ourselves as a team, what is it that our strategic customers truly value? What do they define as their meaning for existence? And again, how can we as SEP support them to achieve that? So that for us is the foundation of building purpose-driven partnerships. But how do you do that? Because change is not that easy. But we said, well, let's keep it simple. If you just start with exploring what is the purpose statement of your customer, and you link it towards the purpose statement of SEP to help the world run better and improve people's lives, you will see that there are many uh, similarities. Because if we help the world run better, clearly we are also making sustainable living a commonplace. And so from 10 feet high, we can say we have a lot of shared values. But use that as a starting point to say, okay, how can we do that? And so then we drill down into the nitty gritty details. I actually interviewed an old CIO of Unilever that I used to work with when I was uh, the global account director for Unilever myself. And I asked him about the value of purpose and the importance of it. And he challenged me. He said, Alf, during the days that we were working together, what do you think that the first topics were uh, that people would mention if we talk about SEP as, as our partner? He said, it was not the purpose statement that is on this slide. Because we have a heritage as SEP to work with a lot of IT uh, stakeholders in these accounts and help them to drive an uh, uh, IT project. We started in ERP and we expanded on that. 
And clearly there were RFPs and RFIs that we, that we, uh, that we started. And with that, we grew our installed base at these accounts. But he said there were also some niche players that didn't have any footprint in the Unilever account. But they didn't enter the account with their product mindset, solution mindset. They used the sustainable living plan from Unilever as the foundation of the conversations. So they asked their CEOs to reach out to, to the Unilever CEO and ask them how they can actually contribute to the sustainable living plan. With that, they changed the conversation completely. Because again, they were not talking about software solutions. They were talking about how can we actually help you to achieve your ambitions. And that was not only by providing, um, for example, software solutions, but that could also be co-driving uh, an event or uh, co-funding an event that could help Unilever to make their aspirations come to life. So again, um, it was a confirmation for us that we actually needed to make that change. And not only because we want to build those strategic partnerships and we want to have more C-level conversations. When I was in that same master's program, clearly I did some research around how independent uh, parties look at this. And so if you look at the Harvard Business Reviews, if you look at reports from Ernst & Young, you actually conclude that purpose is a profit center. Because going back to that same, that same example from Nike, yes, they faced the boycott, but yes, they made six billion in incremental revenues. So it's fair to say that leading with purpose actually impacts your top line. It increases your sales. And with that, it also increases your share price. And talking about customer preference, you see evidence that nine out of 10 people would actually switch, from, uh, switch brands if the one is associated with a good cause. And 87% of uh, Americans will purchase a product because the company advocates for an issue that they themselves care about. So brand loyalty, top line growth are all positively impacted when you lead with purpose. Now comes the good part. Also internally, it's a big asset because it's also meaningful for the new generations in your organization. We all know that millennials tend to switch jobs sooner than the baby boomers of these worlds. But if you lead with a purpose, a lot of these millennials tend to stick around at least longer. And I'm also experiencing that myself because when I elaborate on our journey to create those purpose partnerships, I often do a presentation around certain projects that we are, uh, are achieving uh, or that we are executing at this moment that are linked towards a certain purpose. And after these kind of sessions, I often find myself in a conversation with a millennial in our organization that is asking if I still have vacancies in my team because they actually want to join the journey. It's close to their hearts. So again, it's not only because consumers are asking us to change, it's also the, the way we do sustainable business and that we do good business.
Um, <clears throat> Alf has had to go because he has a client call at 3.15. He's talked for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Alf, you have to go at 3.15, I think. You have a client uh, meeting, uh, so we need to respect you. Can we give Alf a round of applause? You know, for... Um, and there is more of the video which I won't share because I think we've ended up on quite a high note talking about links back to profit and everything else. Is there anything you'd like to say as a final few words, Alf, at all? Or... No, I oh, we can't, the, the can't quite hear. Oh. Yeah, no, it's good. Right. Is this better? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I want to thank you for providing the opportunity and uh, I also uh, appreciate the, uh, the feedback from the audience because it's a long journey, right? And it's not that easy to uh, really make all these initiatives come to life, but I think there's a lot that we still can do and uh, there, there's still a long journey ahead of us. And uh, hopefully we, uh, we can make this more concrete collectively in the, in the months and years to come. So hopefully we'll, we'll talk about this beautiful topic once more in the, in the short. <laughs> Thank you, Al. Thank you for joining us here in London. Yeah, it's been great having you. Yeah, terrific. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Cheers. Okay. So, I've, yeah, thank you. Um, so, just to say that um, we are videoing all of the different talks, and they will be hosted on our website. And Alf has still got uh, another fifteen minutes or so. That then brings me to the point where we, as a team, also thought about. We need to define our why. And I think many of you are familiar with the golden circle of uh, Simon Sinek, who also challenges organizations to ask ourselves, what is our why? What is our reason for existence? So we didn't make it too complex, but we said, okay, our why should be that we build these strategic partnerships with our customers, because that will allow us to make the world run better and improve people's lives. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through close collaboration with these accounts and with our technology stack, with our enterprise application software, with our databases, with all that we have in our portfolio that's defined in our what, we can actually transform these organizations into intelligent enterprises. And that will allow them to achieve their higher purpose. So how do you do that? That's, uh, that's not an easy one, but we try to create a five-step approach, really to make it more pragmatic. And it's described here. And obviously it starts with account planning. I think everybody is familiar with account planning in sales, because every year we start that in the, in, in, in the first quarter, to think about what is it that we want to achieve with our customers. So clearly we will not change that. But we challenge ourselves to say, in that account planning, Try to involve people from your customer, from the partners that are supporting that same customer, internal stakeholders, and try to focus on those purpose statements that your customer is making and how we can actually contribute to that. And so in that account planning phase, we will come up with certain ideas that we then bring to the second phase, which is called business elevation. And in that business elevation phase, we translate our ideas into value cases, into provocative point of views, where we outline how we as an organization can add value to a certain number of business initiatives, which can include and should include 
purpose-led activities. And then the important part comes in, into the mix, because then we need to make sure that these provocative point of views are shared with the executive level of our customers, which you can find in, in, in step three, where we then try to get a common understanding of which of these initiatives we should really execute upon. Because we can have the wildest idea, but it could be that some of these ideas are not supported by the customer, or that the customer is already on that journey, but with other partners in their ecosystem. So in stage three, we actually want to define with our customer which elements, which initiatives we will actually bring to life. And if we have a mutual understanding of, uh, of that scope, we try to capture that in a memorandum of understanding. And if we have that in place, then in stage four, we will make sure to think about which people from the organization should be attached to that project. And sometimes we actually create the triangle of not only the customer and SEP, but for example, their main system integrator. Because ideas are great, but they need to come to life. And so in the fifth stage of our cycle, we then make sure that we have regular connects with all the project teams uh, that allow us to secure that success and jointly deliver upon the promise. And obviously that's a circle that will continue to flow. So this is the way that our account teams are approaching this. And um, one example that I could share with you is around Heineken. As I said, we recently had um, a discussion with our chief sustainability officer. Obviously that was a lady that we've never met before. But because we reached out and said, we know that you are on this journey. Let us show you the art of the possible of what we as an organization can help in order to contribute to your ambitions. And so she invited us over uh, for a session with uh, many of her team members. And we actually created a virtual world, an immersive experience where we actually showed the art of the possible. A scenario that started with a consumer finding an uh, empty can of Heineken in the environment, making a photo of that, posting that on social, with all the negative sentiment that is attached to that. But how we can actually turn that also around by making sure that the cans of Heineken are produced by recycled uh, aluminium. And scenarios that uh, al would allow us as an organization to help them to, for example, optimize their supply chain and make sure that when they procure their raw materials that we avoid uh, that the, the suppliers are actually polluting the environment. Or scenarios where we help them to reduce water consumption in the whole production process. All kinds of scenarios that we just guided them through in a morning session and where they got inspired and actually asked us to do the session again. But then they were inviting many other people from the business, from procurement, from supply chain, from manufacturing. And that's when you see that a topic like this actually allows you to expand upon the persons and the network that you have in an account. And so that would allow us, being a traditional IT company that is married to IT in the organization to go beyond 
and to have more business relevant conversations and become that true partner that we aspire to be. Obviously, as I said, we're all on our, we are on a journey and a journey is never easy and the journey will never be finished. And clearly, uh, we still need to mature on many of these topics. But I just want to share some of the um, initial results that we have achieved so far. So as I said, first topic on the list is that we, we see that this approach really allowed us to have more executive relationships. We have CEO to CEO connects with all of the five accounts that, I manage in, uh, that we manage in our team. And often one of the agenda topics is sustainability or leading with purpose. So it's also a magnet for that C-level discussion. To the point of, of Heineken, we are actually meeting up with more chief sustainability officers. And those people are really opening up uh, the network within the organization because they are linking us to those business leaders, as I've outlined before. One of the examples that one of our partners shared with me also links to this because I had a conversation with a, a large advisory firm and they told me the story that they had that aspiration to win over a, a telco company as their client. But they were facing a hard time. Uh, they didn't get any connection to, uh, to the company stakeholders. And then they saw that that same telco was actually um, using their employee base and their knowledge uh, to solve certain diseases, to get rid of certain diseases in Africa. That was their higher purpose and that was an initiative that they took. And so for that advisory firm, it was a reason to call the CEO and say, we've learned about this project that you're embarking on. And um, looking at what we as an organization want to achieve, it would be great if we can support you in that journey. Let us bring in the intelligent uh, intellect knowledge uh, in order to support your project. And we will do that because we believe in the partnership. So they went on that journey and long story short, that telco now hardly sends out any RFP to select a partner for advisory services. There is a relationship built because of that project in Africa where they just call each other when there is a need for support and they are awarded the business. So the CEO, CEO connects, really important. Also something that we need to increase uh, within SEP and this topic allows us to do that. Another big win is uh, the fact that we have in-flight projects with uh, our accounts. And um, all these projects, they, they vary from, from a DNA perspective. With some of them, we're trying to see how we can avoid waste in their whole uh, go-to-market, where sometimes parts of their machinery uh, will get lost or will be scrapped at customer sites because it's too cumbersome to bring them back to the factory. So not only they lose money, they also lose energy uh, in a sense of they have wasted energy to create these components and now they're scrapped. So from an environmental point of view, that's not acceptable and they want to change that. We also have beautiful projects at hand where 
we help consumer products companies to procure their raw materials in a sustainable way. Where they want to make sure that if they pro uh, procure from certain farms in certain countries, that these suppliers are not accused of child uh, labor. And we have technology in play that will allow us, using blockchain technology, to make sure that we exclude these kind of um, suppliers. Which obviously, obviously is something that this consumer products company can share with their consumers and prove that they are on a purpose-led approach. With others, we're also focusing on the procurement domain because we also have a, a rich uh, procurement network with, uh, with certain solutions, with, with Ariba, for example, where we can support customers to buy from social and diverse enterprises. And also with that, you can actually make a change by procuring from green organizations, social organizations. And all of these projects also lead to certain discussions on further maturing sustainability partnerships. So we're actually in conversation with a number of accounts on signing contracts, signing sustainability partnerships uh, that will allow us to work on these kind of topics in the years to come. And that is also an important vehicle for our own development organization. Because if we understand what our customers want and what our customers' customers are desiring, we can actually use that when defining how to mature our software from a development point of view. The fourth element I wanted to highlight is uh, the, 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 the war for talent. As I outlined, um, I have a lot of people that are knocking on the door saying it would be great if we can be on that same journey with your team. And so you see that for millennials it's important to find something that is close to their heart. And, and, and we've, we've experienced that these kind of projects um, are also a magnet for them to be part of, these, uh, uh, of, of, uh, of the execution of these projects. And Another interesting finding that I had there is when you combine typically the, the experienced salespeople in our teams with these new generations, a lot of nice ideas come to life because the experience together with the, the, the people that are more digital savvy and have a viewpoint around how companies should change brings up great ideas that, for example, are outlined in that uh, Heineken example. And last, but definitely not least, um, we're enriching the conversations with our ecosystem. So, obviously we are in touch with the big system integrators like the Accentures and the Capgeminis and the Deloitte's of this world. But I see an increasingly uh, conversation uh, coming up with the advisory firms like the Baines and the BCGs and the McKinsey's of these worlds. And they are also advising the board members of our customers and we now also have more interactions with them to talk about how we can connect the dots. So again, as said, it's still a journey that we're on. Um, we're not there yet. Um, but sometimes people ask me, Alf, if I want to start such a similar approach with my sales team, what would be your advice? And then I said, well, there are always three things that I take into account. You start, you need to start with leading with purpose. So again, put that, that customer's purpose at the center of all of your uh, conversations and make sure that you also 
expand the network in that uh, customer base to talk about which shared values we actually have. And then don't be afraid to really start with small projects. It's really a land and expand kind of an approach. Because these small projects bring small and but rapid success. And with that rapid success, we can actually build upon them and use them as stepping stones to enter the next project. And then last but not least, try to infuse your, your teams with these younger generations. Because as I just outlined, um, marrying the two really brings the best out of each other. Uh, and with that, you often come up with creative ideas on, uh, on new projects and how to bring the message across towards your customers. And I think that summarizes it because, uh, and I, I used a quote that I uh, learned from Mark Moffat, who is a partner at PwC. Um, he mentioned to me, if you do something that impacts the emotional level, the relationships become deeper. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're touching an emotional level, not only from our employees that really want to make a change with purpose-led approaches, but we're also talking to the customers around achieving their higher purpose in life and making sure that we, uh, as a partner, really truly add value there. And with those conversations, the relationships are becoming deeper and it's providing a wealth of uh, opportunities to actually make the world run better and improve people's lives. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. I'm sure that in the years from now, I have plenty more to share, but this is the start of our journey. And uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of these beautiful new purpose-led initiatives in the years to come. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So what's your selling approach like? Are you selling in a way that your customers want to be sold to? From our research, only 10% of salespeople sell in a way that customers want. But what do customers want when they're being sold to? It's no secret that here at Consalia, we've embedded the sales values and mindsets that customers want to see in salespeople into everything we do, from our sales business school through to our sales transformation offering. So how do you know whether or not you've got them? We have a very simple mindset survey to see if you possess these key values. It's really straightforward to use, will only take a few minutes to complete, and you'll be sent your results straight after. You may be just a bit surprised at the results yourself. Check out the show notes at the end of this podcast episode. What you do with the results next is your choice. We're happy to dive deeper into these results to discuss what they mean, or even explore the idea of finding out if your customers see these key values in your approach.